Hey there, yellow chicken nuggets. It's me, Carl. Welcome to camp, or retreat, or whatever you call it. I just have a couple rules to go over with you guys. Well, just one rule. Rule number one, have fun, and that's it. Just having fun at camp. There are no rules. Well, I mean, just the one rule, having fun. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to What's the Wi-Fi Password? The message you're about to listen to is from our 2020 high school winter camp at Mount Hermon. This was an awesome weekend full of shenanigans, teachings, and community with other churches across California. Hope you enjoyed. I was actually a youth pastor, so um, you're actually here at this camp because of me. So, that you're welcome. We, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, I like the bowing, the we're not worthy kind of vibe. That's, that was solid. So, no, actually, we, when I was doing youth ministry at Calvary Monterey, uh, we teamed up with Calvary Santa Barbara. We used to do our camps here, and then uh, we didn't have the Martin Luther King weekend, and that's like the gold of winter camp, because you get the extra day. And some of the leaders are saying, like, that is not gold. That's the opposite. But anyways, we secured that, and, and uh, you guys are here because of that. So anyways, no more boasting about me or anything like that. Um, if you guys have a Bible, turn to John chapter 10. And while you're turning there, I want to kind of set the tone. So on Tuesday, I had to have a little operation. I have some skin cancer on my shoulder. It's the second time I had skin cancer. I'm the perfect candidate for skin cancer. Just fair-skinned white dude. And sunscreen was optional growing up. I used to drink out of the hose. We used to not shower or bathe regularly. That was kind of the life when I was growing up. And going in to see the doctor, she said, you have two options. I can cut a circle in your shoulder or I can, and, and we won't be able to stitch it up. You'll just have to like live with the wound for four weeks. Or we can cut like a diamond on your shoulder. And by doing that, we'll have enough skin to sew you up. And it takes 10 days, but you can't do anything. You literally like can't like reach to the top shelf to get a mug. Like you can't do anything. And I'm like, oh how deep is it going to be? And she's like, well, it's going to go to fat. I'm like, I'm more of a visual person. I don't know what that means. So I finally said, just do the stitches. So I end up on my shoulder. I'm laying down. They give me a shot. I get numb. Pretty soon you just feel like some tugging and, and some burning because once they cut it out of you, they need to stop the bleeding. Don't worry, I got a point here. When you go, when you're, when you're there getting cancer removed, there's a mentality that you have that you say, did you get it all? Don't leave anything behind. If there's like any doubt in your mind whatsoever that there might be like, oh, we left a little bit. Just take a little bit more. My mindset was get all of it and leave no doubt. So as they finished up and they were, 
burning my skin. And I said, how deep, you know, show me. I want to see the skin because I want to know because I couldn't like just look, do that. So she takes the tweezers that she's holding like a piece of me. And she's just like, it's like, and I'm laying on my side and I'm like, oh, that's like, that's a lot. (laughs) Not only that, you know what I was going through my mind? Did you get enough? There was never a thought where I thought in my mind, oh, you took too much. And my prayer for tonight, look at this segue. My prayer for tonight is that we would get before God and we would say, don't leave anything behind. Take it all. Take every bit of my sin. Take every bit of my tendencies. Take my habits. Take my, you know, laziness, whatever it might be. Take my attitudes and remove all of them. It's important for us to understand that as we come into this time, that we come before the Lord to say, don't leave anything behind. Take it all. You know, so often we almost approach God like we're getting a haircut. Just a little bit off the top, trim up the sides, just enough to make me look good, to have the appearance like I've got it all together. And then in four weeks, I'll just repeat that. And every four weeks, I'll just keep doing the same thing over and over and over without really dealing with the core issue. So tonight, my prayer is that God we would allow God to deal with our core issue. In 2017, my life was radically turned upside down. I got a call that I didn't want to get. No, nobody should ever get. It's the call that you get as an adult at about 5.30 in the morning. Nobody's really calling you at 5.30 to see how you're doing. People aren't calling you to check in and Talk about life. When you get that call, it's an emergency. It's a call that you don't want to get. And on the other line was my sister-in-law. She said, you need to talk to your mom. Just give her a call. So I immediately hung up. I called my mom. She said, your dad and your sister, while going to the airport, have been in a major accident. And... We don't know any details other than it's not good and we don't know if your father's going to make it. And I'm in San Luis Obispo at the time. They're in Boise, Idaho. My kids were supposed to come home that same day with my parents. My mom says, my kids aren't, your kids weren't in the car, neither was I. We'll get them on a plane. We'll send them to you. So here I am, three and a half hours away from the San Jose airport, having to race up there to meet my children, not knowing if in that time my dad was going to live or die. My dad ends up dying three times on the table and uh, ends up surviving. In the midst of all of that, though, I have to sit with my children and tell them in the airport at the gate when they get off the plane that we don't know if Pappy's going to live or die. From... July 29th, 29th, sweetheart, 30th, I don't know, 2017, to October, I had made a lot of trips into Idaho to bring my parents back. My dad was rehabbing. And in that midst, in that time, my image of God was not a biblical image. My image of God was a God who all of a sudden 
rather than being the good shepherd, was kind of the questionable shepherd. The shepherd that you would look to and say, really, that way? You want to do that? I had more questions than I had answers. I had more, more doubts than I had firm beliefs. I had anger where I should have had, you know, maybe a little bit more joy. I questioned every single thing that I had believed. And I was faced with that, this very question. Is God, is Jesus the good shepherd? Is he really good? And the more I read the Bible, the more I poured out my frustrations, my heart, my disappointment to God, the more I became sure that Jesus is the good shepherd. That Jesus in the midst of trouble is good. Jesus in the times of difficulty is good. Jesus in moments of death and loss is still good. My prayer tonight is that we would truly understand that. We would truly grasp that. That we would look at the circumstances that are going on in our lives. That we would look at everything that we're taking inventory of. And we would say, in spite of all that, I trust you, God. Because your Bible says that you are good. Your Bible has all these truths in it. And it's my responsibility to read those truths, grab a hold of those truths, put those truths in my heart. So that I can stand against the evil one who wants to put doubt in my mind. If you believe God wants to speak to you tonight, I just want you to say amen. Do you believe God wants to speak to you guys tonight? I believe. Do you believe God wants to speak to you tonight? If you don't, you're going to really miss out. I almost wanted to say like, just beat it. Just get out of here. But I actually believe God wants you to be here. So I'm going to ask two things. First, if you want to talk to your neighbor, don't. Just don't. Because you're responsible for yourself, but when you begin to talk to your neighbor, you're infringing on them. So don't ruin somebody else's or rob somebody else's time. So just for 35 minutes, just... Phew. Second thing I want you to do, it's a practice that I've been doing that has helped me remember this truth. I want you to close your eyes right now. Every single one of you. I don't care what your beliefs are. I don't care if it makes you feel uncomfortable. I don't care if you've never done this. Close your eyes. And I want you to picture one of two things. If you're a believer tonight, picture the face of Jesus. What do you see? If you're not a believer tonight, who is your God and what does he look like? What is he saying to you? Keep your eyes closed. Is the look on his face a look of disappointment? Is it a look of, is it a look of anger? Is it a look of skepticism? What's that look on the face of Jesus or the God that you claim to be yours? What is he saying to you? Is he imparting love, hope, joy, peace, salvation? Or is he saying things like, you're not good enough? You'll never be good enough? Is he saying things like, you're getting exactly what you deserve? He's saying things like you'll never amount to anything. With your eyes closed, continue to ask those questions. What's the look on the face of Jesus? And what is he saying?
God, in this place, reveal to us in your word how incredible you are. Lord, I pray that you would be able, that we would give you the opportunity to break down the strongholds of doubt, the strongholds of pride, the strongholds of, of, of I can do it on my own and I don't need God. Lord, break down those strongholds in this place and God, shore up the belief that is in this room that you are good, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you will give your life for your sheep, that you will stand in the presence of the enemy. God, assure us of those things. Convince us of those things. God, speak to us in this place directly to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's get into the teaching. We're not even into the teaching yet. Okay, there's a commercial going on right now that is just my absolute favorite. And the commercial is the when just okay is not okay. Do you guys know the commercials? A lot of you are thinking like, oh, my favorite one is this. Don't talk to your neighbor. Remember, don't rob them of their opportunity tonight to hear from the Lord. Just with me, just laugh and nod and be like, I love that one. My favorite one, don't judge me for this one being my favorite. All of us have our own opinions. But my favorite one is the skydiving one. They're in the plane, the guy is, you know, they're all suited up, and the guy's like, the guy, the first time guy is like really unsure. He's like, oh, and he has questions. And he asks the guy, the instructor behind him, and he says, you know, does it get easier after your first time? And the guy behind him leans over the plane, and he looks outside, and he goes, no, the second time is just as nerve-wracking. And the guy who's getting ready to get thrown out of the plane, you know, he gets thrown out. And then it's like, when, when okay is just not okay. There is so much behind that message. There is so much for us as men and women, young men and young women, to put our foot down to say, okay is not okay. We are not giving our lives over. We are not dedicating ourselves to Jesus, the okay shepherd. Our lives, oftentimes though, are lived and dedicated to just okay things, right? Let's take some statistics that have led people into the Hall of Fame. Let's talk about baseball, my favorite sport. I believe God's favorite sport. Again, don't judge me. I just have the microphone and I get to say things like that today. You can get into the Hall of Fame by batting 300. That means that you're hitting three out of every 10 pitches. You're making contact and you're safe 30% of the time. They're in the Hall of Fame. I want you to consider something. You're a sheep. And I'm not here to talk about how dumb sheep are. I don't think the text actually lends itself to that. The text, the text actually lends itself to the fact that Jesus is awesome. And we get to follow and give our lives over to a good shepherd. I'm not being like, sheep are so dumb. Have you ever watched them? Sheep are dumb and you should watch them. But actually, God loves you and we're super valuable to him. So I don't want to be like, I'm just a sheep and I'm so dumb and there's no point for me. No, that's not my, that's not my point. I don't know why I just said that. Could you imagine a shepherd out in the field and we're a sheep and there's a hundred of us and we have an okay shepherd. 
70 of you will die. And 30 of us who are living are like, I'm so glad we have the okay shepherd. We survived, right? So the okay shepherd, he offers his protection. Like, I would say, like Pedro in Napoleon Dynamite. That type of protection, right? Pretty good, but not great. It's just sort of okay. The okay shepherd can offer some leading. 30% of the time, he's going to be totally right. 70% of the time, he's going to have no idea where he's going. Not only that, he's going to have no idea where he's taking you. He's just okay. So protection, leading, an okay shepherd provides, right? He provides. 30% of the time, you're going to get a meal. 70% of the time, you're host. You're on your own. You're looking for something. He's just okay. 30% of the time, the okay shepherd is going to be a rescuer. 70% of the time, he's not. An okay shepherd is going to teach. The okay shepherd is going to love, but only 30% of the time. Here's the challenge, is that we, as a culture, we, as young people, you as young people, you have settled for an okay shepherd. You've settled for an influence in your life that is just sort of, eh, it's all right. Maybe your shepherd is social media attention. I'm not here to cap on that. It's just going to be okay, though. Maybe your, your shepherd is relationships. And the relationship that you're in right now, students, it's not even 30% success. It's like less than one. Trust me. And adults or young adults in the room can be like, amen. It's not to say that you shouldn't be in a relationship. It's just, are you looking to that earthly relationship to be your shepherd? Some of you are going to look at your shepherd to be your social standing, your friends, how many people support, quote unquote, support you. They're just going to be okay. My passion, my drive, my hope tonight is that you and I would say we are not okay with just okay. We need to choose the good shepherd because the good shepherd has chosen you. Check this out. Look at this. In John chapter 10, I want to start in the second part of verse 10. We don't have the scripture up there, but you guys have your Bibles. If you don't, just I'll say it enough. First and foremost, our shepherd, he came, look in verse 10, the second part, that they may have life and have it abundantly. So, before we even talk about what the good shepherd does and what makes him good, is first of all, Jesus came for us to have life. Can I get an amen? We Christians 
Christians should be living the most envious life of every single person in the world. Why? Because we have been given true eternal life. We need to be living lives of joy. We need to be living lives of of the perspective that says we have been given this life. And not only have we been given life, but that more abundantly. Jesus wants you to have an abundant life. Now you might be saying, Matt, I love it. Preach it. That prosperity doctrine, doctor, and I just love it. He wants me to have abundance. He wants me to have a huge bank account and the nicest stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and never be in a, in a position of want. No, that's not what I'm saying. Our abundance is in Christ and our treasures are in heaven. He came to give us heaven. Okay. If you're leaning back, sit up. Sit up. And it's not just respect to me, it's respect to the Lord. Because none of you have any problem sleeping in in the morning. Stay up. Sit up. Somebody's saying something important. If I was up here saying, I'm going to give $100 to the person who is most engaged tonight. All of you would be like, oh my gosh, never make an eye contact. I'm never losing eye contact with this guy. I'm nodding at everything. I'm not even asking for that. I'm just asking for a little bit of respect. Cool? Good? Super good. Awesome. Jesus came for us to have life and to have life more abundantly. Check this out. What what makes a difference between an okay shepherd and Jesus is this, and this is what I want imprinted in our minds. When we consider the person of Jesus, some of you might have, while your eyes were closed, maybe thought Jesus was more of a judge. Maybe you thought he was more of an executioner. Maybe he's taking your life rather than giving you your life. Maybe you see Jesus as this guy who's more of a Pharisee, just super religious and no freedom at all. This is the true Jesus. This is the Jesus that we want you to have. Check this out. First, he came for us to have life and to have it more abundantly. And then in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the great shepherd. I am the true and most loving shepherd you will ever know. I am the good shepherd. And check this out. He will now give us a list of a few things that make him good. First thing we see here is that the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I feel like Jesus could have only said that when it, can, when it came to the point of, the, of, his, of his claim to being the good shepherd. He could have just said that and been like, I'm going to drop the mic. I'm going to let you guys chew on that for a minute. And I'm going to let you choose who you want to be, who you want to be led by. He came to give us life, and he came to actually give his life for us. And look at the distinction he makes. He says a hireling, so someone who's just there for the money or for the position of authority, says he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, he has no investment in the sheep. Look what he says about the person who is just what we would consider an okay shepherd. I would consider a hireling an okay shepherd. 30% success. The hireling, when the wolf comes and catches the sheep and scatters him, it says that he leaves the sheep and flees. (laughs) So 
the hireling, the person, the sheep, the shepherd who has no investment at all, he sees danger and he's like, I'm out. Peace. Later. You guys are on your own. That's the whole 30%, 70%, or I would say probably 5% success to 95% not success. What makes Jesus the good shepherd, first of all, is that he will lay down his life for his sheep. Second thing we see is that he will not flee in the presence of the wolf. Let me say something that I want all of us to hear, myself included. The fakes will flee. The fakes will flee. They will not stand in front of danger in front of you. They will see danger and they'll say, later, you know, it's the, it's the old joke or the old phrase. It's like, you can't outrun a bear, but you can outrun the guy next to you. The fake is going to trip you to save himself and sacrifice you. The, the thing that just is so incredibly heartbreaking is that we give our attention, we give our love, we give our affection. We give a part of us that is meant for the good shepherd to the fake. And the fake will flee. Jesus will not flee in the presence of the wolf. It says in verse 13, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and doesn't care about the sheep. And in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and, my, and am known by my own. I love that. Who's the most invested in you? I would say Jesus. Jesus is the most invested in us. Why? Because he put the most on the table when it came to what's like, what is the investment? And you know what he did? He said, I'm going to give my life for you. Check this out. Jesus, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that leads us to? Is that in our filth, in our sin, in our separation, when we were at our absolute worst, and I'm talking about that worst, whatever the worst is in your mind, Jesus died while you were at your worst. Why? Because he loves us with an unconditional love. That means that he says, I love you before we ever said anything to him. He put everything in the game before we put anything in the game. He loves us so much. So if you're sitting here tonight saying, when I pictured, when I closed my eyes and I pictured the face of Jesus, I pictured a judge who said, you have no hope, you have no future, you are a lost cause, you can't offer anything to me, which are very real things that we hear in our minds, do not accept that because the Bible is so incredibly relevant and true to how much Jesus loves us when we were at our worst. While we were at our worst, he died for us. He will not flee in the presence of the wolf. I love that. I'll be honest with you. I'm fleeing when, it's, when I'm with all of you, except my family and a few other people. Yeah. But all, I mean, I'm like, I'm out. And I would expect you guys to reciprocate. Like, we don't know each other. 
I'm not invested in you. You're not invested in me. I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. He is. He stands in, in the face of the wolf. I'm out. Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the loving shepherd. Jesus is the ultimate shepherd. I mean, think about how incredible Jesus is. Picture that for a minute. Picture a wolf. Picture a wolf right in front of you. And I want you to picture the most violent, gruesome, just ripping a part of that wolf and just watching Jesus just super ripped, just taking the jaws and ripping that thing apart. Jesus isn't going to go up there and be like, hey, nice wolf, can you just like move on? No. He's going to go and just do some work. He's going to rip that thing to shreds. Why? Because he hates the wolf and he loves the sheep. And when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he conquered the wolf. I love the fact that we can, that we are known by the shepherd and that the shepherd knows us. Some of you, when you closed your eyes and we did that exercise about picturing the face of Jesus and maybe hearing the voice, maybe you were hearing the like, I don't even know who you are and you don't even know me. That's a lie. That's the fake shepherd. That's the okay shepherd speaking. The good shepherd says, I know you. And then you can know me. We have access to the Lord. We have access to the good shepherd. I'm a big proponent of Show me before you tell me. Anybody like that? Anybody out there? How many of you are like actions speak louder than words type of people? Anybody? Good. That's, that's important. How many of you don't, don't really care about the actions? You just care about what people say. Is there anybody out there? That's not like a bad thing. You don't be like, how dare you? So there's like half of you that just don't care at all? Okay. That's cool. The good shepherd knows you. And he actually knows that you care. And he knows what you're thinking. And he says, yes, I still want you. But I'm a big action person. Show me, then tell me. When Kristen and I were dating, my wife, she's over there. We had a kind of off and on relationship and we weren't in high school while we were dating, but we were in college, which had even a kind of a, a little bit better percentage, but still fairly low as like, is this really going to work out? And it was off and it was on, it was off, it was on. And we were, I think it was twice that we were kind of off and on. And when we had gotten back together, uh, we were sitting in the car. I just driven, like drove her home to her parents' house and I think it was Easter. No, we were just, gotten, I don't know, I'm super bad with all this recall, but I remember this one kind of awkward moment. She told me she loved me. And I was like, oh. And I did not say it back. We've been married 15 years and they've been awesome, okay? 
But check this out. Because to me, I wanted to show her that she was unlike any girl that I had ever met, that she was the most cherished person this side of heaven to me. And telling her when I didn't mean it, it was just not the business. I wasn't about it. So I just said like, thank you. (laughs) However, if she had a mic, she would probably say like, it's okay because Matt, I eventually told her, obviously, but I showed her first. I wanted to show her. And me, I am like not the best at that. I'm not the like, when I came out of the womb, like super warm, fuzzy, like I love you and I love you and I love you. I have, I rarely tell people. Is that me? I don't know. I bear, I rarely do because it's a show me rather than just tell me. When I met her, when I was working towards that, this is like a very faulty relationship. So many of you would say like, how dare you not tell her you love her back? Check this out. Ready for this one? Jesus is telling you that he loves you. And he showed you. Are you guys with me? You were with me five minutes ago. You better be with me now. How many of you, as Jesus is saying, I love you, are going, thank you. Oh, Nardog, you are on it. Sorry, I called you. I usually just use that name in private. (laughs) I've known Bernard for a long time. Not as long as Harper. Yeah. But let's get back to it, right? Jesus is saying, I love you. 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 I especially love you in that beard. I love you. And you, right? So Jesus is saying that to everyone in this room. Are you guys with me? If you're with me, say, I'm with you. How many of you are just saying thank you? (laughs) That's a zinger, huh? How many of you are saying thank you? When I told you about my faulty, earthly relationship, you were like, how dare you, Matt? All the girls in here are like, I'm not listening to that guy anymore. He doesn't have a heart. He doesn't care. He doesn't, he doesn't even, I'm, he's dead to me now. All the ladies in the house and the dudes are like, oh, there's hope for me because I don't, I don't say I love you either. I'm not endorsing that. I really am not. I'm endorsing the fact that Jesus tonight is saying, I love you. I'm the good shepherd. I died for you. I will stand between the enemy and you. I will stand in the gap. I will stand in your place. I will take your death that was meant for you because of your sin. And I will forgive all of that sin if you simply say, I love you back. How many of us tonight are just saying thank you? I'll settle for the okay shepherd. It's time tonight, people, church, to say okay is just not okay. Because here's what the world says. You give up everything, and we'll give you something. And you know what? If you've been on that cycle, there's hope. You are not damaged goods. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. 
And he is in the business of restoration and making what was once dead life and making what was once without purpose with the ultimate purpose. It's time to say to the good shepherd, I love you back. I haven't spoke to high schoolers for five years almost. It's the first time in five years after doing it for 10 years. One of the things that has not left me is my firm belief that God has world changers in this room. That God has young men and young women that are going to absolutely shake the gates of hell in this room. There's personalities in this room that he is crafting, that he is, as the Bible says, making his workmanship to use for so much greater things. I've never lost my belief in that. And now that I pastor in a church that's filled with adults, I take the same approach. The same approach. God wants to speak to us. As he's speaking to us, it's our now responsibility to respond. My first response is, if you need to say I love you back to Jesus tonight, do it. If you're unsure and you're like, maybe tomorrow, do it tonight. Not because of me, not because of anything other than you do not know what tomorrow holds and today is the day it does not get any easier to say yes to Jesus. It doesn't. I remember sitting in a spot like this for one year and every time this, the pastor would get to his point about salvation and saying I love you back to Jesus, I would say like, dude, you are crazy. There is no way I'm ever going to give my life to Jesus. I'm just having too much fun. That was my line. Then at 16 years old on the beaches of Catalina Island, I had more, I just had a lot of bad stuff there, like physically too. And here I am sitting there and I feel the Holy Spirit. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit at this time. Say, get up out from where you're at in the back and sit down in the front. It was during worship. I'm like, what? I don't even, nobody sings out loud. You only sing in the shower. Why are you singing to somebody that you don't even see and I was like such a critic and I remember sitting there going there's no way and the Holy Spirit was like yeah we'll see about that and he got me up I left every all my friends everything I sat down in the front I'm like I don't even know what's going on he said turn to the gospel of Matthew the pastor I did I do not remember anything from that point forward other than the fact that at that moment I think the Holy Spirit the Lord gave me a vision I didn't know what it was about I had no clue but the vision was this literally if you continue on this path, you will die. And you will never know me. And I remember after all of that, my heart was filled with just absolute terror. I was literally scared. When I used to just laugh things off, I would laugh pain off. I would laugh hurt. And I would laugh disappointment. <laughs> it's so funny. Ah, oh, yeah, let's just be the funny guy. Laugh everything off. I was going to laugh my way to death apart from knowing the Lord. I understand what it's like to be a fringe person 
on the outside just going like, I just don't think I can do that. Jesus died for you. You can. Say I love you back to Jesus. So what I'm going to do at this time is I'm going to I'm going to pray. I think I didn't talk to the worship team. I don't but if somebody could come up here and just be ready. That'd be cool. All worship leaders are like super down for that. They just are like, yeah, I just got this song right now. Which I believe because the set before was like, yes. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you that opportunity to say I love you back to Jesus. And this is for people who have not yet ever said that. This is not like a rededication moment. This is a straight up, I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time ever. It's important that we make that distinction because I have to lead you in a very specific prayer. And that prayer is this. You are first acknowledging that your sin separated you from God. That you have to acknowledge that you are a sinner. Here's the, fa- here's the facts though. You're surrounded by sinners. You are surrounded by sinners. Some sinners are saved, working their way with the Lord, no longer separated from him. Others are living with that wedge between them and God. And when you acknowledge your sin before him, you are saying it's your power, your blood, your death that is forgiving my sins. Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. The good news tonight is we don't have to shed your blood. The blood of Jesus is already shed. We didn't have to shed the blood of an animal. I don't have a goat back there. Jesus was the sacrifice. So if you're feeling that, I need to say I love you back to Jesus. I need to give him my life. You're acknowledging your sin. You're saying, come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. So many people want the saving, but they don't want the Lordship. You say, I want the fire insurance, but I don't want to yield myself to God. No, that's why I'm saying, Lord, over you, saving you from your life apart from him forever, for all of eternity in hell. That's why we say it that way. So if that's you tonight, you're feeling that knocking, you're feeling that energy, you're feeling the Holy Spirit, respond to him. It takes a lot of guts to say, I don't care what people on my left or right think. I'm going to respond to Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and give you that opportunity to do that in just a few minutes. And then what we're going to do is I'm a firm believer in that we, as his church, as people who have invited him into our hearts and into our lives, that we need moments where we just say like, yeah, but I've been kind of blowing it. I've said I love you to Jesus, but I'm not really showing him. It's kind of the the illustration that people give when they say, like, picture being at a wedding and you walk, you know, the groom and the bride walk down the steps. The groom looks at his now new bride. He kisses her. He puts her in a car and she goes her way and he goes his way. And everybody begins to question, wait a minute, aren't you supposed to go together? And the response of the groom is, well, I told her I loved her. Isn't that good enough now for our marriage? No, that's not. Your marriage is going to die and you're not going to be in a good place a lot of times that's how we approach our relationships with god we want the fire insurance but we don't want the lordship we have sent him on his way we've gone our way and god's saying no no no, come back let's do this together it's going to be a lot more enjoyable that is what 
as Christians, we get to respond to. So it's first the call for salvation. Secondly, it's the call of coming back. It's the call to the Christian. It's opening the floor to us as believers to say, I just don't have it all together. Calvary Monterey's youth ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.